time to go inside the three. A product of JJM Media and produced by Anchor and Spotify Podcasts, our three analysts cover the latest news and games regarding the NFL and football in general. This podcast is not affiliated with the NFL in any form and should not be reproduced in any form without the expressed written approval from JJM Media. Don't plan on not knowing the latest that goes around football. Join us as we go inside three. Ooh, we got some drama boiling up in college football. And as the NFL playoff race nears, there's a lot of fireworks to really talk about big shit show over in the NFL, especially after last week. Hello, everyone. Welcome back inside the three. Jake JT Mart joining you on this episode. Uh, it's been a wild ride for the past few weeks. And I know we normally don't talk college football. Blame us. We always talk NFL because, you know, obviously it's professional sports. They get higher precedence. But now that the college football playoff race is really starting to gain traction, uh, we thought this week would be a good time to really discuss that, especially one team in particular, the Ohio State Buckeyes. OSU, the uh, what is it called? The O or something like that or the or. Yeah, as long as they all like to call it the. So, um yeah, so Ohio State right now looks like the weirdest group of or the weirdest team in the college football playoff rankings right now. Because uh, if you look over the teams that are in there, you, you see a commonality, 9-0, and 10-0, 9-1, 8-1, 8-2. Then you look at Ohio State and 5-0. and Yeah, they're the, they're the gifted rich kid in high school that can flunk every class, but every teacher is going to pass or pass him just because he's the star of the team. Uh, Ohio State ranked fourth in the college football playoff rankings and through some bitching and moaning, they actually got uh, they were actually allowed to play in the Big Ten championship coming up this weekend, which I think I can speak for everyone here when we all say this is a whole crock of bullshit five and zero record um, three and at home three and away. Um, they've been pretty much in the top four all season long, even though they're despite their late joining and guys. I have to say, I think this just solidifies that the NCAA favors the Big Ten uh, over a lot of these conferences. And I'm, I'm excluding the SEC from that because we all know that they do favor the SEC. But I think the Big Ten is the biggest problem here. I think they favor them the most because they, you know, the NCAA instilled a, a position where, you know, they, you know, you, they, they said if you didn't didn't play six games this season, you're not qualified for a championship. And we all were like, okay, this is pretty cool. You know, we, this is reasonable. Then Ohio State bitches and moans. There's a little tamper tantrum, and now all of a sudden they're allowed to play in the conference championship, which, to my experience and to my knowledge, I think is awful. It's an awful look on the league. I don't think Ohio State should be in it, let alone in the top four at all. I'm going to start off the conversation with that. I'm going to leave it over to JT next. JT, I know you feel strongly about this topic, so. The floor is yours. How do you feel about Ohio State being fourth ranked in the college football playoff despite playing probably the fewest amount of games out of any top 25 team this season? I mean, it's ridiculous. It, it's serious. Seriously, it is. You look at Ohio State. This is not the same Ohio State team that that was number two in the nation. That was number one in the nation in three some odd years ago and is a constant number one, two, and three in the nation. And we all know this. All right, we, we've seen what Urban Meyer has been able to do. This is a brand new coaching staff for Ohio State, by the way. Let me add that in. But you look at the games that Ohio State has had. I want to point that out first. First, November 21st, they or yeah, November 21st, one of their last games against Indiana, 42 to 35. Get it. Indiana's not really a pushover. They're six and one on the season. Keep 
kept with Ohio State, but usually a normal and easy opponent for Ohio State. Michigan State, that they actually look like the Ohio State, 52 to 12. But I want to bring up another team that actually, you know, not that far from me, about 10 minutes down the road, Rutgers. Rutgers and Penn State. I'm bringing up those two teams simply because of the fact that those two teams have been struggling this year. Here. Or Rutgers, I'm going to call out a little bit more simply because of the fact that Rutgers actually is on the lower end of the Big Ten and Spectrum, and we can't sugarcoat that. Penn State, they can get away with some losses, but they started off the season 0-5 and didn't win until well, they faced Rutgers in Scarlet Knight territory. And Ohio State barely won against it's Penn State, who again was struggling this year. 38-25 was that final. But then you look at the Rutgers score. Ohio State has dominated Rutgers. Rutgers almost never puts up a fight. Now, I get it. it Greg Schiano has re-signed with the Scarlet Knights and everything like that. However, here's the thing. That, oh, for me, that Rutgers team somewhat sometimes is still the same. And a lot of people are saying if it's not for an early ejection for a targeting helmet, people are saying this game for Rutgers is a lot closer. The final score was 49-27. to and again, Rutgers, you look at who they beat this year. Unfortunately, Rutgers was only 2-5 and five this year. They beat Michigan State, eight, and they beat Purdue. Two big names. And Rutgers, yes, Rutgers has kept it close this year. Or, but at the same time, here's the other thing. Hey, that does not excuse a number four team in the nation and to give up 27 points to a team that you've dominated in the past. And then you look at the teams that Ohio State eight, could potentially be facing in this college football playoffs. Say everything thing ends up right now say everything in the big in the college football playoffs ends today hey for ohio state technically it does because they don't face michigan which is a big game in my opinion for them and which could easily knock them out of the top four right now they would be facing alabama and this is going to be a question i'm going to turn for you guys and this can be a question that i think you guys can answer or once i finish the little tirade over here do you guys think that a number four team, a 5-0 and Ohio State team, is ready to face a 9-0 and number one in the nation, Nick Saban-led at Alabama? Or more or less, do you guys think that they're even ready to face a number three in the nation, Trevor Lawrence, who, since coming off of COVID, has been absolutely unbelievable and absolutely killing it for Clemson? And, but, I mean, that, that's the thing, though. I, I would not mind if they were bumped down to the six or seven seed. I don't mind. I don't mind if they go down and they wind up facing somebody else in potentially a, like give them Georgia and say, I, I don't know. Oh, give them like a January 2nd bowl or something like that. Give them something against someone like Georgia, but open up that number four spot for a team such as like Texas A&M shout out to do perfect. Those guys, Eyes are probably livid right now because Ohio State is taking up this four seed. When in reality, AM has been playing out of their mind. Cincinnati, who's eight and oh and ranked number eight in the nation. That's disrespectful. Oh, if I say so myself. And you got all of these teams who have played and busted their ass off all season and only losing one game and playing out of their minds, only to have Ohio State, who's been struggling against Big Ten competition, which they usually dominate every single year. Absolutely just blowing chunks right now and getting the number four seed in the nation saying that they're good enough to beat an Alabama team. 
I, I just think it's ridiculous. I don't even think Alabama should even be considered right now in a top four ranking. But then again, it, it, it's, it's Ohio State, so <laughs> who knows? Yeah, who knows? And, I mean, I, I may not know the whole algorithm to determining who gets in the top four or let alone have a chance at getting into the top four. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to you know, say my answers about who, like what I think it should possibly be for after Mark's take, but I, I seriously continue to think that this is why or that this is a big problem in the NCAA uh, college football bracket that I think the AP, I think the top 25 in the college football playoff ranking is absolutely screwed and messed up. I think they favor certain conferences and I don't even think it's based on strength of schedule. I just think it's because of how much revenue they pull in and how much popularity they gain. And you'll find out why I say that in a little bit. But, Mark, I'll hand it over to you. What is your whole take on this? All right. So just for reference, when I usually uh, follow college uh, football, I follow three different divisions. I follow the Big Ten, I follow the MAC, and I follow the independent uh, teams as well. Those are the three typical divisions that I'll follow. The independent's mostly known for BYU. Right now, they're currently 9-1. Also, Liberty's in there at 9-1. And then Army's actually up there at 7-2. and The MAC right now, you have Buffalo, who's 4-0 out of the East right now. Hasn't lost a single game this year. Western Michigan coming out of the West is 4-1 along with Ball State. Use some teams that are in lesser-known divisions that are still doing very well, and yet you're going to give Ohio State just because they're in the Big Ten an automatic shoe-in. And I'm going to say an automatic shoe-in and, and work with my train of thought here for just a moment. So, obviously, we have established that Ohio State is in the Big Ten. The Big Ten lowered, saying that you don't need a minimum of six games now in order to get into a championship. Was that the Big Ten or the uh, – uh, uh, what the heck the college uh people for the big professional games that was lowered from a minimum of six games now you don't have to have a minimum of any games let's take a look at ohio and indiana both in the big Ten East, right ohio state university played nebraska psu rutgers indiana ranked 12 and michigan state now mind you ohio state only ranked team there was indiana indiana played psu rutgers michigan michigan state ohio state ohio state ranked four Maryland and Wisconsin. Indiana's only ranked competition was Ohio State and ranked four. So let me go down and break all these teams that are similar. Penn State, Ohio put up 38, Indiana put up 36. Rutgers, Ohio put up 49, Indiana put up 37. Michigan State, Ohio put up 52, Indiana put up 24. However, Indiana was able to shut out Michigan State unlike Ohio State. And play against each other, it was 35-42, where Ohio State took the advantage, obviously. And let's not to mention that all these games here that I'm talking about when comparing Ohio State and Indiana, all these four teams here that are cross-referenced, Indiana has been on the road every single time. Ohio State has been two and two, two home games and two away games. So Indiana is able to go into other team stadiums and get the job done. They don't need a home field advantage. They can get on the job done on the road just as well as at home. They don't need any excuses. They played an Ohio State team, and to their credit, they battled Ohio State right down to the very end, and they finished within a 10-point margin. You're going to tell me that a Ohio State team that has been coddled has had a scheduled pick for them and has been able to pick games who they face. They've had additional time to play their last game. They have extra time now to prepare against Northwestern, which is still tentative to happen this weekend. This is so much unbelievable bias here within this. 
Ohio State is definitely being pandered to the favorites. There are other teams you can argue in other divisions who are other conferences that are smaller and yes, and less recognized, excuse me, uh, tongue twister. But you're going to tell me within this, you don't, you're going to tell me that Indiana is not more deserving than Ohio State. That is absolutely ridiculous. Jake, I'm going to send it over to you, brother. All right. So, I, you know, I agree with the take. I think Indiana should be considered way before Ohio State should be. But, guys, let me throw, let me throw a sneaky contender in your way. Now, I'm a firm believer. Now, this team has played an entire season, second only to – well, there's a few other ones, but they've gone perfect all season long. They have absolutely come out of the woodwork, coming, from, I believe, unranked in the beginning of the season, and they're now sitting middle of the way. To me, I think they should be clear contender for number four based on performance, strength of schedule, and how they've played all season long. Guys, let me introduce you to the Coastal Carolina channel. What the hell? Shanna Clears. Uh, I stumbled over the name of the, t- the team name, but my goodness, guys, they've beaten two ranked teams from the Fun Belt, if you ask me. I love Sun Belt football. It's more competitive. And yeah, the strength of schedule obviously isn't, you know, comparative to SEC or Big Ten or even Big 12, if you will. But I still think the Sun Belt has a lot to bring to the NCAA, especially football. And Coastal Carolina is a good representation of that. They beat Louisiana, who was ranked 21st at the time. And obviously, this past weekend, they beat, bring, they beat BYU, who was ranked 13th. They bumped BYU down in the rankings and overtook them at 13. But the biggest thing that I that stands out to me, they're also they're the only the second only 10 and 0 team in the college football playoff ranking, second only to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Now, Notre Dame, I have my own qualms with them. Obviously, you know, coming into the ACC one year after being in the independence and just steamrolling competition, that's obviously a different thing. But Coastal Carolina has played it true to the Sun Belt, uh, Sun, Sun Belt formula. They've done an excellent job when it comes to performing on field. Um, their their quarterback McCall has, I think, he's only had two games where he has where he's finished under 150 passing yards. The one being against Brigham Young, but at the same time, he trusts. He knows how to control his team. They know how to work on the field. I it baffles me that these guys are not considered for the top four ranking. And then someone like Ohio state and Mark, this goes back to the clear bias that you, that you mentioned. No one ever considers the the smaller guy. They always look to the guys that are in prime time all the time that, you know, are in conferences that are always shown love Ohio state in the big 10. Yeah. You can make arguments that other teams, you know, Cincinnati who's undefeated Florida eight and one, you can make, or even BYU and Louisiana, both at nine and one. You can make arguments at that, but for me, Coastal Carolina speaks differently than any team that's in the college football playoff ranking right now. And if you want a hot take this week, if you were to pit Coastal Carolina up against Ohio State, I think Coastal Carolina would come out on top. It may not be a big scoring margin. It may come. It may be a shootout. It may come down to the last to a last second field goal, but I seriously think Coastal Carolina could whoop some Buckeye ass, considering they have more experience on the field this year, and they've played pretty much equal competition to them. So they, they you know, they don't have a chance to play down to anyone. I really think that this was a missed opportunity by the college football playoff ranking team, and I really think that this should be a wake up call that the Sun Belt should get a little bit more love as well as the other smaller divisions. I, I mean, Mark, you made a great point with Indiana. And I think that they are deserving as well, especially considering all the shit they've received this year. 
um, and coming in second to Indi- to Ohio State, who's played. You know, Indiana has played more games. They uh, see. I think the thing with that determined that is Ohio State, obviously in the less amount of games, has put up more points and played fewer, or and put up less points against. But I think it's because of the strength of schedule. I think Indiana has a clear a clear disadvantage there as opposed to Ohio State, who's gifted easy opponents each single year. And pretty much when you play Rutgers, you know, you're obviously going to play terribly. Or you're gonna you're obviously gonna steamroll them. I meant the Rutgers are gonna play terribly. You you go up against Penn State, who is having a very off season due to the pandemic. No one ever thought that Penn State was gonna do this bad. But unfortunately, this year it's been it's been that way for the Nittany Lions. Then you look over in the West, only like the, the, the three quarters, if not five six of that entire division, is you know five hundred or under. So obviously, there you have some easier play there. Like it, there's to me in the Big Ten, there's only four real teams that are a threat: Ohio State, obviously, but they normally get treated. You know, they get the easy treatment because you know all of that is just absolutely i don't know it's asinine the way they they calculate this personally i think indiana or coastal carolina would be a favored suitor to take over ohio state but will they probably not only because the college football playoff ranking team is an absolute joke and the system that they do is a joke as well like i i seriously think that there's some inaccuracy with this i think there are well more deserving you know suitors for this but no Every year, it's going to be Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio State. Why? Because they bring in the most money, and it's going to make it interesting because you put two power schools line. And I think the, the ranking team is afraid to bring in lesser competition. And by lesser competition, I mean teams that are not well-known, especially nationally. I think they have a problem with that because they think it's going to be a steamroll and that they're not going to do well. But they don't understand the disservice they're doing to the NCAA whenever they do something like this. I don't know. It's, it's a crapshoot right now. And the fact that, and it's all, it's all exemplified by Ohio state. Now Buckeye fans, if you're listening to this and you're getting pissed off at us, do, do us a favor, settle down, please. Because we listen, we all know you guys have a history, have a history tenure in the NCAA, but for the love of God, be realistic. This is not a year where you guys, I mean, you guys bitched and moaned your way into the conference championship. Yeah. You, I mean, do you, this is the best team. Obviously you need to go in there. Yes, but at the same time, you've played five games. So back the hell off. You don't deserve it. Give it to someone else and give your number four spot to someone else who's deserving, like Mark's Indiana Hoosiers or my Coastal Carolina Chanticleers from the goddamn fun belt. Please, let's do something about this, guys. Let's clean it up. Now, before I give myself a goddamn aneurysm, let's move on to uh, lighter topics. One, we're going to rehash a bad one later, but um, NFL games. I was, I was actually really good. I'm glad JT put that on the itinerary, and I'm glad we're finally starting to talk some NCAA football. Whew. I got I to gotta drink some water after this. But let's move on to the NFL games, guys. We got some day games. We got some night games to talk about. And we, got, we had one played yesterday, Thursday night football, Pats and Rams. Guys, it felt good to see the Rams absolutely trounce the Patriots, especially Cam Akers after having such a, you know, not a good start to the season. He was running all over them. Um. Jared Goff, I think, in my opinion, he looked better than he normally does, but he's still not an elite quarterback. But either way, the Rams defeated the Patriots. It was glorious for all of us to see. JT, starting the roundtable discussion of this game with you, what's your take on this game, and who do you think really stood out in this one? 
I mean, if you're a Patriots fan, I mean, the first guy that stood out for you is a guy that honestly, who who you gave a release form to is Nick Falk. Look, like, can we just discuss that? Like, if you're looking at the Patriots right now and you're looking to pick an MVP for them, honestly, I'd either pick Devin McCourty for defense. He's had an unbelievable year, an underrated year for that matter. Or I just pick Nick Falk. Look, because what? Folks, because Nick Falk has missed what? 21 on field, or he's missed two field goals? Like, are you kidding me? Like, like seriously, this is a guy, keep this in mind. This is a guy that what, like two, maybe three years ago, got released from Tampa Bay because he missed three field goals against New England. Like, it, <laughs> Like, for New England, like, Belichick has got to be livid. And and the fact that I, – I see this all the freaking time. The fact that we see New England still in the hunt – we talk about we talk about favoritism. That's favoritism if I ever heard it right there. Like, seriously, like, folks, let's be realistic. New England fans, you're going to get pissed off at us again. If we didn't just piss off one of the biggest fan bases in the world in Ohio State, we're going to piss off another one right here. Like New England, get over yourself. You're done. You're not making the playoffs. Oh, like seriously, like you, you really think that New England's going to overtake Indianapolis is after they just got spanked by the Rams? Like you really think that New England's going to overtake Indianapolis or even Miami for that matter? It, it's not happening. Tua's playing out of his mind. Phillip Rivers is playing out of his mind. And honestly, I'll say it like this. Both those guys are better quarterbacks than Cam Newton. Yeah, I said it. Cam Newton shouldn't be starting anymore. All right. The only reason he's got a starting job in New England is because Belichick needed a quarterback. Heck, and obviously it's not working. And all New England fans were saying, a lot of New England fans were saying that we're going to tank this year, but you didn't expect the Jets to do this bad. You didn't expect the Jags to do this bad. And you were expecting to be the last t- last place team. So, yes, this was projected, but here's the thing, though. Did you really think you were going to get Trevor Lawrence? Like, seriously, New England, you got to relax. X, the fact that your head coach name is Bill Belichick doesn't automatically make you a playoff contender. How you play makes you a playoff contender. And for the Rams, this is a big win for them. And, And when I say big, I mean huge, because that division right now, oh, with the NFC West, Boys, that division is tight. We talk about how tight the NFC East is, and we talk about how tight the AFC North or even the AFC South or NFC South. We talk about those divisions being tight. Hey, guys, look at the NFC West. That division is out of of control. And, Jake, you you pointed it out. Cam Akers had an unbelievable game, finally broke out and finally got to see what we saw. And, really, he, he was the offense yesterday. If you're Rams fans and you're seeing this, you're hoping this keeps up come the playoffs because you're going to need this. It's, it, it's no secret that Los Angeles is most likely going to make it into the playoffs. The question is, how long can they hold it for and can they start playing at this level that we're expecting against teams such as the Bucks, such as the Seahawks again, and, and such as as the Minnesota Vikings. So right now, for Rams fans, this is a good game for you guys to get on. Oh, yeah. This is definitely a big builder, and this really shows just the ineptitude of those Patriots right now. Like, 
they broke up a bond that really stuck together and helped them win games. And now all of a sudden it's over and you bring Cam Newton in. JT, you mentioned that Cam Newton is not good anymore. And I, you know, obviously I've been vocal about this and I agree, but I, I do think that Cam Newton was just a one-year rental. I don't think they have any long-term plans for him. I think they just wanted to give him a job, get done, get him done, you know, get the season over with essentially. And yeah, I mean, you can make an argument that they didn't realize the Jets and the Jags would be terrible, but I mean, come on, it's the Jets and the Jags. They always do terrible, but. I mean, I think if this was a tank year for them, they did it terribly. They absolutely did it. That or they're just going to trade for the number one pick and give the Jets someone good, which would be really – they probably – the only way I think this would work is if they trade Stephon Gilmore and probably a few like future picks and get the first-round pick. Like, it, come on. It's one of those things where you just got to use your brain. But, Mark, what's your take on the ineptitude of the Patriots and the Rams after this big win? All right, so coming in, I definitely thought this was a game that the Rams had to win. And, and let's take a look at some past games here real quick. The Rams lost to the Buffalo Bills on 9-27, which, I mean, that was a reasonable game for them to lose. Buffalo at that point was a, a very hot team, and they were absolutely rolling through all their competition. Okay, can't understand that. The Rams lose both of their matchups against the 49ers. 49ers have been here and there. They've been hot, and they haven't been hot at all especially now we you have Garoppolo out and Kittle and and now you you have the Niners go and put two over on the Rams okay I could see that they're a division rival you got Shanahan over there and they're actually doing very well right now with all things considered but then you go to Miami and to his first appearance and you lose to the Dolphins I'm sorry but but that's a game that you should automatically win and you're gonna go in and, and you lay an egg you lose uh, 2017 to the Dolphins. This was a game they had to win. Yes, Cam Newton was playing hurt, and you could see that a little bit. You could see he wasn't very comfortable, and he was having some difficulties trying to move around and scramble around and stuff like that. He looked like he was playing hurt, not giving him any excuses. But this was a game that they not only needed to win, they had to win, especially to remain relevant, to hold this seed as the number one in this division. They needed this game in order to keep that. Because the what do you have next as the Rams? You have the Jets. Okay, they better win that game. Could you imagine if the Rams lose to the Jets this weekend? Oh, or next week, excuse me. Then you have the Rams go back to Seattle. And then you face the Cards one more time, and the Cards come to you. You have all these games here where the Patriots and the Jets are wins that you need to get. They needed this win. Because if they lay a goose egg either against the Hawks or the Cards, they're done. And it's not going to be pretty. With that said, they looked excellent last night. Akers was running all over. I really thought Henderson should have gotten a few more touches. I really think it started to get predictable at the end there, and New England was actually starting to make stops there at the end in the fourth quarter. Um, the defense for New England really didn't look that bad, all honesty. It just got to the point where they were on the field too long to be effective. There was too much offensive time for the LA Rams, and the Patriots had no offensive time for their defensive uh, team to rest up, get recharged in between sessions. It, it did not happen. Jared Goff looked as usual. Um, granted, there weren't any really spectacular mistakes he made last night. I do believe he did have one more interception last night. Um, but it's Jared Goff needs to just play consistent, not make stupid decisions. He's been constantly making dumb decisions within the past few games, and typically when those compound on each other, that's when the Rams lose. Um, all in all, let's see if the Patriots can finish out this year at 500 or if it's going to be worse than that. And the Rams, for them, it's do or die time, and they need to win out, and they need to win out big. Can they do it? I'm not sold on it. Jake, it's back over to you. 
Yeah, if it was like a few years ago, I would believe that the Rams could possibly win out and sneak in there. But given the look of this team this year, I just absolutely cannot put my finger on it and say, you know what, they are shooting for the playoffs. I think they're going to be the underdog story. It doesn't make sense, especially with Goff under center. This guy, he serves up interceptions like turkey at a Thanksgiving dinner. Everyone gets a little bit of it. Like he's uh, he's not, in my opinion, as good as he was before. And I know we made mention of that how many times on this show, but I just, I have a hard time believing it. They're first in the NFC West right now, but if you ask me, should they make the playoffs? There is just no way they're going to make it that long. So don't, you know, you could have your own ideologies about it, but for me, I don't, I don't see it, but let's uh, quit recapping and let's get into some previews. We got some day games for you. The first one is a very interesting one. And this one comes uh, let me take a look at the composite schedule. This one is a one o'clock game, which kind of shocks me. It's on CBS. This one, I, I'm very baffled on. I thought this would be the makings of a four, you know, four o'clock game or maybe even prime time, but Kansas City, Miami, you got Heisman winner in Tua Tagovailoa going up against the reigning MVP, $50 million man, Pat Mahomes, the athletic Rob Schneider. Uh, you got him under center for the visiting Kansas City Chiefs. This game is played at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. So Miami has the home field advantage, but Kansas City, guys, they've already clinched a playoff spot. So could this give Miami the edge to really come out of this game with, with a win and stay in the playoff hunt? Or do you think Kansas City is going to keep, the, keep their foot on the gas pedal, knowing that that first, uh, that first seed looms in the distance, especially after you-know-who suffered a big loss this past week? JT, let's start with you. Honestly, for me, Kansas City's always keep their, uh, keep their foot on the gas as that that's something that Mahomes and even Andy Reid, even when he was coaching with Philadelphia, that's something that Andy Reid has always done. He's always kept his foot on the gas, and he's always been a guy that says one loss isn't enough, one game isn't enough. Uh, Andy Reid is the type of guy that always finds a way to sneak out that win, no matter who he, his opponent is. And the one thing I love about Andy Reid is the fact of the matter is that he never downplays his competition in no matter who he plays, even if it's the Jets. Okay, well, over-exaggerating. But still, even if it's the Jets, Andy Reid never takes anyone lightly because he knows he can lose on any given Sunday or any given Monday night, whatever you want to say. Hey, I mean, hell, look a couple of weeks ago. Oh, he didn't downplay the Raiders. He lost to the Raiders, but he still never downplayed them. Andy Reid always takes his losses is in bunches. He knows he's going to lose games. He knows he's not going to go perfect. Nobody's going to go oh, perfect. Only one team in history can say that they've been perfect, and that's the 72 Dolphins. Now, here's my thing about the 72 – or here's my thing about the Kansas City Chiefs. Jeez. The Chiefs always know when they have to play, and they always know when they have to start being urgent. Right now, you have to start being urgent. And because Pitt, like you said, some random team – some team lost last week in a big upset, at, but you need to worry about what that team's going to be doing for the rest of the season because right now you do not have the advantage. Right now, oh, Kansas City has that one division loss, so that's what's separating them from a one seed. So right now, Kansas City's got to put a behind, and we, we've never said that about Kansas City, especially in a standings game. And, and honestly, is that going to be looming in the back of their head? Absolutely. Does Kansas City have the better team going into this game? Absolutely. Do I think that Tyreek Hill is going to have an absolute unbelievable game? 
Absolutely. I 1000% do. But gentlemen, I got to uh, go ahead and this is going to be my upset for the week. I'm going with Miami on this one. Uh, now, as contrary to belief that is, is I, again, I got to go with Miami on this one simply because of the fact that right now Miami is fighting to stay into a playoff spot uh, and they know it. Kansas City, yes, they have their spot locked up. And again, as much as Kansas City loves to play with their gas, their foot on the gas, Miami's going to come into this game knowing what's at stake for them, and they're going to play with that sense of urgency. This is the type of matchup that, Jake, like you said, this game should be a, a night game. This should have been a Thursday night or a Monday night or a Sunday night, whatever you want to call it, it or a 4 o'clock game. This should be a game, game that, honestly, a lot more people pay attention to because this could be, depending on what you're looking at in the playoffs, this could be a two versus seven matchup. This could be a two versus this could be a three versus six matchup. Up oh, honestly, th- again, this matchup is a matchup that we're gonna be seeing again in the playoffs. So honestly, for me, I'm going with Miami on the upset simply because of the fact that I think that Miami knows what their urgency is. Is I think Tua's hungry and Mahomes, he's hungry too, but I think Tua's just gonna want it a little bit more. All right, so we got JT going with the upset. Mark, what about you? I think there's an upset possible, but I don't think it's going to be this week with the Dolphins. Believe it or not, I think it's going to be in two weeks when they play the Falcons. Listen, JT, you were talking to the point of where the Chiefs earlier know how to play to the games and know when to put the gas on and when not to put the gas on. If that's the case, why did they go into overtime against the Chargers? Why did they lose the first time to the Oakland Raiders but have to come back and beat the Oakland Raiders by a nail-biter the second time around? The Chiefs are not the Chiefs of last year. They are a little bit more inconsistent. They are not as smart with the football this year. They are having to rely on Patrick Mahomes more this year. Why do you think they went out and got Le'Veon Bell? Because they knew if Mahomes is not doing well, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire is not doing well. You need to rely on Le'Veon Bell if you can't get the ball to Kelsey or if you can't get the ball to your wide receivers. The Kansas City Chiefs do have weaknesses, and we have seen teams that have been able to execute those weaknesses at times throughout their games this year. The question is, can the Dolphins do that? No, I do not think they can. I think it's going to be interesting to see, too, what he can do with that defense. But I still think that defense led by the Honey Badger is still no match for the Miami Dolphins. With that said, I have the Kansas City Chiefs getting the win this weekend. All right, all right. Well, my impression on this game is a little bit different. Um, So here's how we stand. We have the number one total offense in the Kansas City City Chiefs going up against the Miami Dolphins, who are – tied well no they're just 0.1 points per game behind but either way they're the second in points per game and second in total points given up this season so you got really a you know a game of two heads here and while I want to say that Kansas City is the easy shoe in I really have a hard time believing that just because of how well the Dolphins have been playing they've been hard to scout this year there's been um you know, they give up a lot of yards, but at the same time, they limit the points being put up. And that's the thing when Patrick Mahomes is on a roll, you know, he's, he's on a roll, but Miami has been really good at isolating quarterbacks on the run. And they've been really effective at limiting big drives for opposing offenses. So, um, you know, take it as you wish, you know, the dolphins could have a good chance, um, especially with Tua, 
I think Pat Mahomes is going to meet someone of his caliber um, in Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, but I know I just kind of made it seem like I was going to pick the Dolphins, but I had to go with the Chiefs. I mean, that number one seed is still in the balance. And considering Pittsburgh, oh, well, I blew the chance, but uh, they go up against Buffalo this week. And that's a hard matchup, especially with the way Josh Allen has been playing. Um, and especially he's back on the resurgence of himself. I think that Kansas City recognizes they smell blood in the water, and I think they're going to really buckle down on this one. They're not going to let up on the gas. JT, you brought up Andy Reid and his coaching style. Mark, you did too. And like Andy Reid is one of the best coaches in the NFL, if not ever, but definitely for the past few years. Um, He is always hungry, both on and off the field, but either way, he, he doesn't quit. Like this guy, he just keeps on churning. And I think this all comes back from his years in Philadelphia after not winning many games that I think that now he's um, or not winning many championships that now he really sees it. And he goes, I have a team that we can really be repeat, repeat champions. And I'm not going to let this go. So give me the chiefs considering they know that the number one seed is there. And I think they would love nothing more than to get an extra week of preparation in the playoffs. And, um, you know, I think to me, they'd be the true holders of that number one seed. So give me the chiefs on that one. The next one, we got a bit of a you know weird matchup here. Colts Raiders. This one is a four Oh five game. It's going to be played in the toilet bowl in Las Vegas or the death star, whatever you'd like to call it. Um, Phillip rivers against Derek Carr, the Vegas, the Raiders guys have been on a weird run so far. They look, you know, there's a week where they look really unstoppable and the next week. They just absolute flop. And I mean, the only thing that's really good that's been good coming out of these past few weeks is Derek Carr's memes. That's pretty much it. Pretty much being compared to the Undertaker. But he goes up against uh, Philip Rivers, the fountain of youth, as I like to call. Um, this one's going to be an interesting one just because of all the assets these teams have. I'm going to give it off to JT first. Indy and Las Vegas. Who is it going to be? Viva Las Vegas, or is Pat McAfee going to be uh, celebrating a Colts win this week? I mean, I don't know how much Pat McAfee is going to be celebrating after what he did in war games. That's, again, another WWE reference right there. Um, but honestly, for me, this this game is one that I think that a lot of people shouldn't be sleeping on simply because of the fact that really we've seen over the years, yes, the Raiders are still in the hunt for the playoffs. However, as much as they've been in the hunt, Vegas has always been. You know, I'm not even going to say as Vegas because this is the first year as Vegas. Oakland's always played spoiler. They always have, whether they're, whether they're Owen 15 going into week, week 17 or whether they're at 500 Oakland's always played spoiler for those higher seeded teams for teams such as Indianapolis is such as team such as for, you know, the Browns such as, as Houston, you name it. We we've usually seen the Oakland Raiders play spoiler and this year as vegas let's be realistic it guys vegas needs this game to make it into the playoffs right now this game is going to determine who that number seven seed is for the time being and the question and the one question is who can win out this season in vegas has the chargers dolphins and broncos oh i think you circle i think if you're a raiders fan you circle that dolphins game and you you, you realize that that game is a threat. But then you have the Colts, Colts, and you say the fountain of youth in Phillip Rivers. There's honestly don't know how you want to take that one, but take it, guys. But for the Colts, you got Raiders, Texans, in Pittsburgh, and Jacksonville. Honestly, two, <laughs> you, you look at the schedules combined, should be 
if you read them both, should be in favor of the Raiders right now. And and, and I, I take that 100%. But again, this week is going to come down to who wants to play either game and who actually wants to win better. And for me, this week, it's simple. I, I honestly think the Colts do take this game in, in Vegas. I wouldn't be surprised if this game comes down to the very last wire or, or the very last second comes down for a game-winning field goal by Blankenheart, I believe. That's who will be kicking. Blankenship, but it's the same Blankenship. thing. Blankenship, same thing. And exactly. Wouldn't be surprised, but still, wouldn't be surprised if that's, that's your end result. Well, the game-winning field goal, well, to honestly give the edge this week for playoffs, but who knows? It, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, definitely going to be interesting to see. Mark, what's your opinion on this game? I mean, spe- speaking of the Oakland Raiders being a spoiler, do you guys remember when the Raiders came into Heinz Stadium led by Terrell Pryor and they just lit the Pittsburgh Steelers up? But uh, that's a story for another time. Anyways, um, listen, with the Raiders and the Colts er, this weekend, the Colts have shown a lot of impressive stuff. Their defense has been top of in the league, which has been very impressive to see that, especially with all these names that are out right now, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Mac's not there. Mac is such a huge piece to the offensive puzzle there for the Indianapolis Colts. The Raiders have been hot and they have been not. Um, you would think that a team would be able to beat the New York Jets, but unless for a zero blitz defense call done by the New York Jets, the Jets would have won the last game against the Raiders. The Raiders don't have me convinced that they can get the win this weekend against the Colts. I'm taking the Indianapolis Colts this weekend. Okay, that's a fair assumption. I, I was waiting for someone to mention the Jets game. I'm, I'm very <laughs> shocked at how late it was, but... I'm actually going to do, I'm going to take the opposing side on this one. I think that Jets game was a big wake up call for the Raiders. And especially after getting trounced by the Falcons two weeks ago, the last the Sunday in, in November, I think the Raiders now realize just the kind of shit they're in, um, especially knowing that they almost got beat by a team that's deliberately trying to tank. And we, we can say deliberately now after that all out blitz, just leaving rugs wide open, like, Come on now. That's a complete tank job. I think you take that away. Obviously, the Jets win. Um, but, you know, they got to they gotta solidify that number one pick, and I think that's why they did that. I think that's why they handed – they literally handed the Raiders the win. Um, so I really think that they saw that. I think mm-hmm. they're going to take that to heart and be like, all right, I'm done messing around. I'm done getting – you know, losing and just getting blown out by teams that don't even have a prayer – in the world right now. So I think this week's going to be a good time for them to really, you know, step up their game and get on a winning side. And what better way to do that than against the Colts who are making themselves a case in the playoff race as well. Give me the Raiders in this one. I think that, yes, it's going to, I think Blankenship's going to have a big contribution to this game for the Colts, but in the end, I really, the Raiders need to step up and they realize the hot water they're in. So I think they have a little bit more chip on their shoulder this week. So give me the Raiders in this one. Guys, we're moving on, and this was, this game coming up was a bit of a late add to the to the itinerary, but this just could not be missed this week. It's the starting debut for one Jalen Hurts. He goes up against filling quarterback Taysom Hill in the New Orleans Saints as the Eagles take on the New Orleans Saints. This one's going to be a very interesting one because you got two very mobile quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts has looked absolutely amazing when he's filling in for Carson Wentz. If you ask me, I think this is a very late start for him. I think he should have been started weeks before, but you know, Philly loves Carson Wentz for some fucking reason, but 
Um, either way, Jalen Hurts, I think has, I think she, I think he's very, um, he's really flipped the odds for Philadelphia. You know, obviously with Wentz still in there, you probably would imagine that they wouldn't do too well. Um, but with Hurts in there, I think this increases their chances. JT, do you believe so? It, it, yes. Or why or why not? And what are your overall takes from this game coming up featuring two young mobile quarterbacks? Honestly, my take on honestly, my take on Wentz starting for so long for Philadelphia, it's simple. I think they just started to like the name a lot more because a lot of people kept saying Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. Uh, honestly, folks, I'll say it like this: Pennsylvania's dead. It should have been dead a long time ago, but we never really realized it. All right. Honestly, it, it's simple for me. This this game, game, how can I put this? For whatever reason, the past couple of years, quarterbacks who have started on their debuts, who's or more or less on their starting debuts, for whatever reason, have had some sort of magic that I can't really explain. And I, I don't know how to explain it. it. But the question is, does this, this remain the same for the Saints or for the Eagles and Jalen Hurts? Honestly, I'm going to say yes, but I'm also going to say no. I know that sounds confusing, but here, here's where it's going to get less confusing. I think Jalen Hurts has a fantastic game against the Saints. However, I don't think it's enough. I, I don't think this Eagles defense can hold up against a team such as the Saints. Honestly, if Philadelphia was serious about winning in the division this year for the NFC East, which is still winnable, well, don't get me wrong, but honestly, let's be realistic. If they were serious about this, Jalen Hurts would have been starting in what? Maybe <laughs> we're in week 14, maybe week seven, week eight by now. Oh, because let's be realistic. This is not the Carson Wentz we saw all back when the Eagles had that magical run and won the Super Bowl. This is not the same Carson Wentz, and everybody's seen that. Hey, do I think he needs a resurgence? Absolutely. I think Carson Wentz absolutely does. Do I think Carson Wentz can be something special? Most likely. Absolutely. Eve, but do I think it's time if Philadelphia is done? Honestly, I'm going to say yes. yes. And I know that kills for Eagles fans because usually when you keep get a player, you want to keep him for, for as long as you can because he's done something special for you guys. Like, look at Brian Westbrook. You never wanted to lose Westbrook simply because of the fact that at probably one of your best running backs in the – twenty, honestly, of all time, I should say. Hey, and then Brian Dawkins at safety. Who, who could forget Brian Dawkins? But for me, it's simple. Oh, Jalen Hurts is the brand new in Philadelphia. And honestly, I think that, and, and as much as it kills me to say for a team that's three and eight, there's still a possibility for them to win in the division in the NFC East. Cause let's be realistic. Nobody's winning. They, they, none of those guys are winning in a playoff seed via a wild card. That that's not happening. I'm sorry, folks, but that that's not happening. And just no. Oh, do I think they could absolutely, do I think they could take a spot from the Giants? Absolutely. But at the same time, got to see how Jalen Hurts plays this week. And they got four weeks remaining. And so it, it's going to be a big four weeks for Philadelphia. But this week, I got to go ahead and give me the Saints on this one. That's a viable argument, especially with the whole, you know, ideologies thinking that, you know, saying that. Philadelphia likes to hold on to key assets, especially when Wentz, when he was part of that Super Bowl run team. But I think you make a good case. Mark, do you share JT's opinion? Listen, JT, I don't think this is killing the Steelers. I think, or excuse me, killing the Eagles. I think this is hurting the Eagles. Listen, sorry for the terrible pun. But the bottom line is this. The Eagles invested a lot into Carson Wentz. 
and they chose to put their faith into this man instead of Nick Foles, after Nick Foles was the one who led them to the Super Bowl, who rallied around the locker room, who had everybody pumped up and got them to that Super Bowl. Carson Wentz was a negative in the locker room, and that was proven before. And now you're going to try to repeat the same pattern since Foles left? Come on. you got to be kidding me. I understand that the city of Philadelphia is pissed off this week, because ESPN threw some serious shade on him for forgetting the Philadelphia Flyers existed. But you're going to tell me right now that Hurst is going to come in and be the savior to beat the Saints? I understand that Taysom Hill is relatively new at being a starter, and he does have some fumble issues and some interception issues, but one new quarterback doesn't. There's nothing that the Philadelphia Eagles have shown me to believe that they can beat a Saints team that is dangerous this year. The Saints get the win over the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I'm going st- to I I think Jalen Hurts is going to have a good game, uh but ultimately I think New Orleans is just on a tear right now. I don't think there's any possible way that Philadelphia could win, but I mean, we've seen weirder things happen in football, but Taysom Hill has really grabbed this team by the you know, he's really led them in a good direction to where, you know, these guys are looking pretty fucking good this season. And after, you know, I think a lot of people came into the season and thought, you know, maybe the Saints won't be too, you know, won't be as good because Drew Brees is getting up there in age. But Taysom Hill came in and he's filled the role, uh, you know, greatly. Give me the Saints over the Eagles in this one. Now the next one. This one's easy. Uh, not easy, but I mean, come on, guys. The Washington football team did pretty much the unthinkable last week, ending the Pittsburgh Steelers' perfect season. Now they go up against the 49ers who have had troubles of COVID and injuries all season long. I think this one's going to be an easy decision, but I'll let you guys speak for that one. JT, Washington versus San Fran. I mean, easy on depending on what side you're looking at. Honestly, for me, it kills me to say this even after last week. As much as I want to say that Washington is on the high that they are right now, and, and they probably are. They're on cloud nine, no doubt in my mind. They, they went into Pittsburgh, and they beat Pittsburgh, no doubt in my mind. Should, you know, should a certain field goal have gone off? That, that's, that's beside the point for the time being. But my thing is this. If you're Washington right now, you have the advantage because this week New York faces – is um New York goes ahead and they face the um they face the Cardinals. We'll be talking about that in a minute. Yeah, but next week you got Seattle. Oh, and this week New York has Arizona. Here's my thing. And Arizona right now Washington needs to win out because you just went 0-2 against the Giants. So the Giants have the edge. Edge. And honestly, I'm gonna say it like this. Guys, I think Chase Young has a fantastic game. And I'm going with Washington. I'm going with the football team to go ahead and and beat the 49ers. A lot of people will say that this is an upset, but honestly, for me, the way Washington has been playing, and I honestly, again, this is something I never thought we'd be saying about the NFC East. Easton, it was said at the end of the uh, year. The NFC East is starting to look like an, an actual threat, so give me Washington. All right, Mark, do you also take Washington, or do you have a different take on this game? I actually have a different take on this game. Look, I told you guys about Washington before, and I'll get back on this when we get to the Pittsburgh game. But look, that was an excellent played game by Washington. Minus the field goal or not, the Pittsburgh Steelers still lost by more than three points. So so crying about a field goal for me is bogus. Listen, Washington is facing a 49ers team at the 49ers. Washington was able to play good situational football, take advantage of a team that had 
less than four days to prepare for the game, and now you're facing a team who has actual uh, ample amount of time to prepare. And it's actually been relatively competitive in their past few games. We just touched on them earlier. They beat the pants off the Rams twice over. They were competitive with the Saints. They uh, got blown out by the Packers, but they were right in it with the Bills as well. Washington should be a little bit worried about playing the 49ers this weekend. Yes, we talked on it earlier about how the Niners don't have Garoppolo, Kittle, all these impressive weapons that they have on the offense when, are, when healthy are scary. But that doesn't mean that they cannot get the win, which is why I have the Niners taking a win this weekend. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I'm actually very shocked because I thought this would be a clean sweep, but no, it looks like I have to play Peacemaker on a game that I thought <laughs> would be an easy take. But, I mean, Mark, you make a lot of good comments for the 49ers. I mean, especially with the hot streak they've been on. But such is such, I, I have to go with Washington. Like, they proved all the doubters wrong. Alex Smith is really making a statement for comeback of the year, comeback player of the year, even though he really didn't have to make a statement for it. He, already, he pretty much already had it once he stepped back onto the field. But come on, guys, the bloody suck. I, and this could be just be me being crazy, but you ever think back to when Kurt Schilling had that bloody sock in the, in the playoffs and the MLB and how well he did. I think Alex Smith is the same way. I think, you know, he, he had that bloody sock and um, absolutely lit up the Steelers. Now here's my thing. The Steelers were missing, you know, key parts of their defense and offense. So obviously it made it a little bit easier for Washington. They had a little bit more time to prepare for, for the Steelers. Um, but I don't know, guys. This Washington team looks way different than anything I've seen. I think they just got a very late start to the season. Um, they didn't have a true quarterback under center, and I think now they are playoff worthy or at least playoff potential or at least just to lock up the first seed in the NFC East. Like, it's sad that they're actually in contention with the Giants in order to take it. Like, I thought Washington would somehow, some way, be you know, sweep this clean. But that – you know, the, I'm going to take Washington in this one just because, you know, they've proven the doubters wrong, keep the momentum going. Everyone's watching them now, and now everyone is taking notice of the Washington name redacted. Um, but we just talked about the NFC East and that potential number one spot with the Giants, and this week they have a true test. Now, they go up against the Arizona Cardinals, and guys, this, this Cardinals team has been a little shaky here and there. Uh, we all know. Kyler Murray had a bit of a, you know, a rough few, a few rough games, um, not doing much against the new England Patriots when we all thought he was going to light them up um, only have like having less than 200 passing yards an interception and a fumble against the Rams. So this could be a misleading game. People may think that the giants could, act, you know, might actually walk away with this one or that this could be a bounce back game for Kyler Murray and Deandre Hopkins, who has been relatively stagnant as of late. Um, JT, do you think that the Giants can still main or st you know stay in contention for that number one spot in the NFC East with a win over the Cardinals, or do you think Arizona is finally going to get back on their feet after you know stumbling a few weeks? Well, my one question goes for uh, Giant fans out there: Did you find a way to pick up um, James Bradbury last week after that stiff arm from DK Metcalf? That, that was disgusting. First of all, oh, now here's my thing about DK Metcalf and. Honestly, for that Seahawks game, Eamon Jack, James Bradbury. Honestly, he was struggling against someone such as, as DK Metcalf, who, in my opinion, is definitely a top-ten wide receiver with DK. But now you're going up against the best wide receiver in the NFL, in DeAndre Hopkins. Folks, this is a game that D-Hop needs. And the fact that D-Hop is going to be getting someone like James Bradbury, if he thought that stiff arm from DK Metcalf was bad last week, 
honestly, he let, let's be realistic, folks. Oh, d- d- that was nothing compared to what DeAndre Hopkins is about to do this week. Eek. All right, let, let's be realistic. And, and the fact that and, – and I got to – I got to praise one guy real quick. Colt McCoy last week. How in the hell do you pull something out of your ass and beat the freaking Seahawks? Like, I, 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 I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. But for me, it, it's simple this week. Arizona's pissed off. Oh, Murray's pissed off. He knows where he should be in the playoffs right now. Oh, and right now, they're, they're out right now. And it's the freaking Vikings Kings, who started off absolutely god awful this year and then decided to pull we want to talk about pulling miracles out of our asses they pulled a miracle out of their asses and look what they're doing right now oh right now it's simple Arizona needs to make it in in I said it earlier or Washington can afford to lose it is Washington can win in but New York's got to hope that Washington can and lose against Seattle next week, and that Seattle isn't coming off of a high. So for me, it's simple. I, I got to go ahead and I got to say it like this. is I think that honestly, I think that the Cardinals run over the Giants and retake over their seven spot. Because honestly, the fact that they're behind the Minnesota Vikings, or the fact that they're behind the Minnesota Vikings is kind of taking off Kyler Murray, Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. And honestly, a matchup like this against Bradbury for Hopkins this is a matchup that he needs, and honestly, he's going to be taking advantage of big time. Yeah, this one's going to be a big resurgence game for D-Hop and Kyler. Um, give me the Cardinals in this one. Look, the Giants are playing pretty well over the past few weeks, but I think the Cardinals have what it takes to really overcome them and really get back on the track and get on the winning side of things. So give me Cardinals in, in this one. I think that was pretty easy. I think it was – oh, I've, oh, my goodness, I forgot about Mark. Mark, I am so sorry. Please. Take all the time you need. Dissect this game for us. I didn't mean to skip over you, but please, I, I I encourage you to take as much time as you want right now. No, not a problem. It's Friday night. We're all shot from finals. I totally get that, Jake. Listen, let's take a look at who the Giants have played, respectively, in the division of the Arizona Cardinals. The New York Giants lost to the San Francisco 49ers when the Giants were at home 36-9. to The Giants went on the road and lost to the Rams, only putting up nine points again where the Rams put up 17. Seattle comes in last week. Giants beat them 17 to 12. Giants won because they had stood on the backs, excuse me, of former people in the division. Colt McCoy, former uh, Texas Longhorn, drafted by Washington, stood on the back of him. Jason Garrett former head coach of Dallas who knows Seattle in the playoffs stood on the back of him. And Jason Garrett has been relatively a good move for the giants. I think that was a good move bringing him in. I think he should get another chance at a head coaching position later on down the road, not this year in the future, but that's a whole nother story for another day. So you're going to tell me right now that out of these three teams that we just mentioned, what does the Cardinals team more mirror the Cardinals mirror better the Rams, and the Niners compared to Seattle. Seattle does not look like themselves this year in a couple different aspects, which we have touched on in previous shows. I think that this is a win for the Cardinals and the Giants. Do not stand a chance. Cardinals win more than 10 points. 
All right. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think Cardinals can win by more than 10 points, especially with the way the Giants have been playing. Um, I already gave my take, so I'm just going to hover over that uh, for a second. But uh, moving on, we got some night games. Now we're in prime time. Sunday night football features the Pittsburgh Steelers, who just lost their undefeated streak to the Washington football team, the team without a name. They just lost to. Now, let me lay a little bit of the foundation for you. I know Mark has... Mark's waiting just to rip into us about this, but let me just, I'm not making an excuse. I'm just laying it out there. What all went wrong for the Steelers in that game? So you were missing your starting center. The big asset, the leader of that offensive line, you're missing him. You're missing, well, for an elephant in the room, Steelers need to learn how the hell to catch a pass. They need to go learn from the McMidgets or something like that on how to learn how to catch a damn pass. That's elementary shit you need to learn about. Uh, that was terrible last game. Eric Ebron, I think himself had eight, eight drops and Juju had a few drops as well. It was an ugly game for that. Okay. Back to the injuries and you know, the leaders that were left off the field, James Connor wasn't there. He was hurt or dealing with COVID. Um, our linebacking core is shot. And, and if it wasn't before it is now we're, I, we're without Bud Dupree We're without Vince Williams. Now who was placed on COVID 19 reserve list today. We're missing Ryan Spillane because he hurt his knee. Um, I don't think it was too serious in the game, but he's now missing. And he was, you know, carted off field early on. And um, Devin Bush, obviously out for the year with a torn ACL. So our, you know, we started the, the year with four solid linebackers. Now we're only down to one and that's TJ Watt. So you take that out plus on top of the drops, plus on top of everyone that has COVID this, this, you know, this coming weekend, uh, this past weekend, I should say, um, do they have a better chance this this week against Buffalo? JT, I'll start with you. Do you think they have a better shot, or do you think we're just going to see the same Schittsburg that we saw last week? It's tough for me. It's tough for me to say that, you know, this game is going to be, you know, something that we thought was going to be easy for Pittsburgh. It, it really was. <laughs> but for me, it, it's simple, really. For Buffalo, oh, right now, and we talk about what Pittsburgh's been doing. Buffalo has really been on a streaky end of it against teams that they should be, you know, beating if they want to be considered actual threats. I mean, barely beat the Chargers, lost to the Cardinals. That's going to be a team that you face in the playoffs. Lost to the Chiefs. That's going to be a team that you face in the playoffs. Beat the Titans. That's going to be a team that you face in the playoffs. And they beat the Dolphins, but barely. And that was back in week, week, what, week two? Who, like, this is a team that's projected to actually dominate the division, the division, but I don't really see it. And honestly, we also got to look, look in a couple of weeks, week 17. Ian, that's going to be the Dolphins again. And, and the Dolphins are going to be fighting for their last spot. You know what the difference is going to be between the Buffalo Bills, Bills facing the Miami Dolphins in week one and the Buffalo Bills facing them in week 17? The fact that Fitz Tragic isn't starting. The fact that, that Fitz... It's Patrick isn't behind center. You're going to be facing Tua. We're finally going to get to see the matchup that we wanted. We're going to get to see Josh Allen versus Tua Tagovailoa. But this week, we got to worry about Josh Allen versus Ben Roethlisberger. The game's in Buffalo. It it stings me. It it stings me. The last time we faced Pittsburgh faced Buffalo, they lost. I'll just say it straight out. They lost 17 to 10. Here's my thing, though. Tomlin's pissed off. 
Tomlin's more than pissed off. And I think that's something that he said this week is honestly going to spark Pittsburgh. He said, if you don't want to catch a pass, you can just get off this team. That's big for me. That's a coach that's saying, we need to get our shit together. And if we want to take this shit seriously, we need to start playing. And for me, it's simple. I think Pittsburgh goes ahead. I think they do take this win against Buffalo. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be pretty in the least. But I think that Pittsburgh needs to get this win to get that confidence back. And for the last four weeks, because next week they have Cincinnati. This week they're going to be playing in hard against Buffalo. But next week you can take your foot off the gas just a little bit, just a hair or against Cincinnati because it's the Bengals and there's no Joe Burrow. So, but this week, you got to see what happens with Kansas City and Miami this in the morning. You, you got to see what happens there. But for me, with Buffalo, oh, you need to play like you're going to be playing them the first round of the playoffs. And really, it's simple for me. Buffalo, like I said, they've struggled all year against teams that they're going to be facing in the playoffs. Honestly, I think that Buffalo does dominate the NFC or AFC East, excuse me, but I think that, honestly, when comparing the two teams, teams to who's ready against teams that are going to be playoff matchups, honestly, Pittsburgh's dominated those matchups, and I got to go ahead. I got to say, it's going to be Pittsburgh for me this week. Oh, the balls on this dude picking Pittsburgh this week. Oh, I mean, he makes a lot of valid points. I can't disagree with that, especially with how pissed off Tomlin was last week. I think that's the most pissed off I've ever seen him as a, as the head coach of the Steelers in all of his tenure. And he's got, you know, he, he has a 10-game differential between his wins and losses. Am I stalling so that way I don't get lambasted by Mark because they lost last week? Kind of. But we all give everyone equal opportunity to talk on this show. So while JT and I put on our earmuffs, Mark, go ahead, take out your whip and lash us for being petty Steeler fans after they sucked last week. I know you have a lot to say and what's your prediction for this week about Pittsburgh and Buffalo. All right. Just for the record, before I get into land basting on last week, uh, I'm going to give Pittsburgh the week win against Buffalo this weekend. But listen, there were some really key stats. I'm going to throw out, forget all the injuries, forget all the people on the COVID-19 list, forget about the four days worth of rest and prep time. There were some really key stats that I thought stood out in between the Washington game with Pittsburgh. Let's take a look at these falling stats, right? Total yards for Washington, 318 versus Pittsburgh's 326. That's relatively the same for total yards. Rushing yards, Washington is 45. Pittsburgh only is 21. Yards per play, Washington is getting 4.5, while Pittsburgh's doing 4.9. So far, these teams are relatively mirroring each other. This is not really a typical Pittsburgh team. When you had the killer bees, yes, you could run the ball and you could pass, but you had the options to do both. Pittsburgh relied on the passing game, which has proven even more as we go through. Let's go through here. Sacks allowed. Pittsburgh was able to get three sacks on Washington. Pittsburgh punted one less time than Washington. Penalty yards. Washington gave up more penalties for 62 yards, where Pittsburgh only gave up 45. The main difference was Pittsburgh had an interception. Excuse me, Washington got an interception off Pittsburgh, excuse me. And then you have 30 minutes and 26 seconds for Washington's time of possession compared to Pittsburgh's 29-34. You had a team on team matchup where everything was even straight flush across the board. And the Pittsburgh Steelers couldn't get it done because of all these outside compounding factors, which we spoke on before 
about how they had favoritism played against them facing the Tennessee game, facing the Baltimore game, less than four days or four days worth of rest and prep time, less than having everyone to go on COVID-19 and injuries and so forth. This was one that the NFL cost the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I don't want these people crying about how, oh, it's Washington's fault. Blame Washington for ruining the Pittsburgh Steelers' perfect season. Go after the person who did this. Go after Roger Goodell. Don't go after Washington, who did their job, who showed up Sunday, who went and played the game and won. Why? Because they had a team who was willing to put it all on the line and get the win at Pittsburgh. Yeah, they knew the odds were stacked against them. They knew this was a game that they shouldn't have won. But what did they do? Juan Rivera walked in with an Alex Smith who has fire now after beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. And don't forget, he got cleated by his own man. He was bleeding on the field. And he literally put his blood, his sweat, his tears into this win for the Washington football team. Pittsburgh did not run the ball. Pittsburgh's defense did not look anything what we're used to. Pittsburgh needs to get back to basics here. Because if you're going to rely on your passing game, Forget about it when you're playing something like a Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs, because you can't go throw for throw against a team like that. You need to be a combination and have your one game still involved. With that being said, JT, I love your point of how the Buffalo Bills have struggled against teams that they will be facing in the playoffs. The Tennessee Titans, you have, as among as others, the Cardinals, which is uh, potential as well. Listen, this is going to be another team that Buffalo is going to have to face in the playoffs. With that said, yes, Buffalo has made huge improvements this year, and that is noted, especially being you have a team like the L.A. Rams. They come in and you beat them. But when you still have inconsistent play against the major teams that you're going to be facing later on down in the playoffs, that for me throws up a wet red flag. For me, Pittsburgh gets the win this weekend, and they come back for a redemption game against Buffalo. You know, Mark, that was actually more PG than I thought it was going to be. I thought, you know, I actually thought it was just going to be actual shit posting for us. But no, you make a lot of good points. I agree. Don't blame Washington. Blame Roger. Or, or, yeah. Blame the way this all has been happening. Pittsburgh had a short week. They were punished because of the fallacies of other teams. Washington came in ready to play. There is nothing wrong with them. I, I, I will attest to that. And I honestly didn't think that anything was wrong with Washington. They played a solid game. My whole problem with this, you know, this past game was the whole thing with the Steelers and COVID and injuries and shit, that kind of really hurt them, especially the loss of Marquise Pouncey. You take him away from the offensive line, and this is not, you know, I'm not bashing J.C. Hassenauer. He's too, he's very young still. He's very green. But you need Pouncey in there to really lead that offensive line, and you and it showed. The whole offensive line folded. Ben's passing game was shit. Granted, if the receivers would learn would know how to catch a ball, I mean, here's the thing. I think with this whole pandemic, I really think Pittsburgh's safe from catching COVID because they can't catch a damn thing. But I think they need to get back to basics, like you said. You made you made an excellent point about that. They need to just take yeah. I, and from what I'm hearing, Coach Tomlin said you know Coach Tomlin says that this week has been a very good, a very productive week of practice. Granted, he says that every week, and it might be a productive week, but it all comes down to what you put out on Sunday. Hence, why. I actually have to go with Buffalo in this game. Buffalo is more more of a unit. I think they're more put together than the Steelers are the, right now, especially with all the injuries and COVID-19 and all the uh, you know, all the on-field elementary issues that the Steelers witnessed last week. Buffalo in my opinion, their weak part is behind them. 
they are only on the there. They can only go up from here. And honestly, I think they have a great opportunity to make a statement in the AFC with beating the Pittsburgh Steelers and handing them their second straight loss and making them want, you know, making them wait another week to possibly clinch this thing. I mean, granted, there's a lot of possibilities for them to clinch this week, but still a win would just would be easier for him. I think Josh Allen is back to his old MVP self. Stephon Diggs is back. The Bills Mafia has been running absolutely rampant this season. Granted, they've been playing some tougher competition, but at the same time, you saw what the Steelers did last week. You saw how they really weren't prepared for him. And I think what the whole thing is like, they're going to spend, they spent a lot of the week focusing on back to basics. They didn't really, I don't know how much time they dedicated to preparing for Buffalo. So again, you just come into prepare, you know, preparation this week. I really think that the Buffalo Bills are more prepared for the Steelers than they are, than the Steelers are of the Bills. It comes down, you know, to simple mathematics, simple, simple thought process, processes, I should say. I, give me Buffalo in this one. It pains me to say that. It really, really does. But I really think Buffalo is going to come out on top this week. It might not, it may, it might be close, it might be a blowout. I don't, I don't care. But I think the Bills have the ultimate advantage in, in, in this game this week. So give me Buffalo. Now we round out our games this week. Monday night matchup, AFC North action. You got the Baltimore Ravens. Good God, the Ravens. They're third in the AFC North against going against the Cleveland Browns, led by Baker Mayfield. Uh, yeah, uh, just who would have thought the Browns would be ahead of the Ravens, let alone having a winning season and possibly finding themselves in the playoffs this season? Not me. I didn't imagine this before the season. If you would have told me that this was the one Monday night matchup, I'd have been like, shit, I ain't watching this. This isn't going to be worth it. The Ravens are going to steamroll them. But all of a sudden now it's taken on a whole new meeting. JT, what do you think? Ravens or Browns this week? Honestly, it's going to come down to this. Right now the Ravens are a two-point favorite right now. And here's my thing. I, I think that's an understatement. I, I don't think the Browns are the underdog in this game by any means. I, I don't believe that. I, I honestly think that the Ra- the Browns are the team to beat come Monday night. I, I think between these two teams, if you ask me which team has the better advantage, and I, I hate saying this, is because I, I as much as I love seeing the Browns' success, I can't stand Baker Mayfield. Um, honestly, Baker's better than and Lamar coming out of this one. And for me, it's simple. Lamar played fantastic in his return game last week. But here's my thing. Can he keep that momentum? I don't think so. Going up against the division rival. Last week, he faced Dallas, and he played unbelievable. But for me, it's simple. This is a division rival. This is not the NFC East you're facing now, Lamar. Yeah, You got to face East Baker Mayfield. And for me, it's simple. I think that Baker, honestly, I think he goes into his home. I think he goes in with Cleveland, Jarvis Landry and company, Nick Chubb, um, all of them. I think that Baltimore gets put out of their misery. I think that honestly, he, that Madden curse that we see all the time, I think that continues. So I got to go ahead. I got to say it like this. It's simple. Baker, Baker and the Browns, my pick is going to be very quick. Baker and the Browns absolutely destroy in a sense that, little option they have Baltimore has as I think they blow that up. I think that gets destroyed in the first quarter or do I think they turn to it a couple of other times? Yeah, absolutely. But honestly, I think that Baltimore is going to be forced to throw the ball this game. And I think that's going to start to be Lamar's downfall all again. And that's something that a lot of teams need to start doing is let it Lamar 
or throw the ball. He'll he'll burn you with his legs, absolutely. But if you make him throw, he, he's a liability, and he's honestly he's mortal, as a lot of people would say. So I'm gonna take the Browns in this one, and I think it's gonna be honestly. I I wouldn't be surprised if this game is a ten point win for Cleveland. All right, Mark, you're normally the one that really likes these you know these even matchups. What's your what's your take on this one? I think this is an interesting game. You have the tale of two teams who we thought were going to be completely different, respectively. Let, let, let's put, let's start with the Baltimore Ravens here. Baltimore was coming into this season, had high hopes for winning the division and actually showing up against Pittsburgh and taking this division relatively easily, mind you. They're choking right now. Cleveland Browns at the start of the season, everyone had them written off. Yeah, you had notable acquisitions like Odell Beckham Jr. is still there, and you have this Kevin Stefanski coming in. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? He's led the Cleveland Browns to where they're at right now. Only three losses on the season? That is impressive. And Odell Beckham Jr. is out right now. Listen, the Browns and the Ravens played each other opening week at Baltimore, and the Ravens took the Browns to town with the score of 38-6. to However, now the tails have turned. Now it's at Cleveland. Who's hot right now and who's dangerous? The Browns. Who is not? the Ravens the Ravens have the 30 31st excuse me ranked pass offense in the NFL you're gonna tell me you're gonna win a game with that passing offense in addition to that over the past five games uh your quarterback uh, Lamar Jackson five interceptions and two fumbles over those past five games hmm Listen, I know that we everyone is harping on Baker and, and harping on the Cleveland Browns and, and all this stuff. Listen, take note. The Cleveland Browns have the potential to win out for the rest of their games this year. Yes, I'm telling you they can beat Pittsburgh, and I'm telling you you need to watch that game when they play in Week 17. With that said, Cleveland gets the win at home versus the Ravens this weekend. Holy shit, I think we have another clean sweep because I'm going to take the Browns in this one too. Mark, I don't I couldn't agree with you more. I think that game when they play the Steelers is going to be a real shootout. And I think the Browns have what it takes to really win out just because of how they're playing. Kevin Stefanski, I think this might be the first time that the Browns have a coach in their helm that could actually last more than 2 seasons as a successful coach. And I don't think the Cle- I don't think Cleveland has seen that in probably since I was in grade school. But um yeah, give me the Browns in this one. I think what they're going to make, they're going to pressure Lamar Jackson to pass. They're going to expose his weakness. And I mean, yeah, you can make him run all day, but here's the thing. I, I think they need to really just, you know, play back and make Lamar pass. Um, His arm is not that weak. A lot of people say he's comparable to Michael Vick. And in my, in my, in that case, I say, no, Vick could actually throw the distance. Whereas Jackson really can't. Vic and him are two different players. You can't just say that he is the same person as Michael Vick just because he's got speed. You can't do that. That's an invalid argument. But I rest my case. The Browns are doing something that no one else thought they would do this year. Nick Chubb is playing absolutely amazing. Um, the, the defense is looking phenomenal, especially now that Miles Garrett is back. Can we also address that how the hell did Miles Garrett get the Walter Payton Man of the Year award for their organization considering he – you know, almost killed Mason Rudolph with his own helmet last year and then blamed it on racism. Like that's a fucking turn, but either way, uh, the concept still stands that I take the Cleveland Browns in this one. 
Get them double-digit wins, Kevin. Go for it, especially do it go over against the Ravens and put them out of their misery. They got a broken wing. Fucking take them out. Um, now let's move on to our second-to-last um, topic of the night, and obviously these are not as long as the game previews, but um, it's definitely worth listening to. Our fantasy sleepers and busts. Now, before we get into the actual play, or, uh, the players who we think we could be sleepers and busts, I want to get a take from you guys. How did your fantasy football teams do this season? Well, considering my team was actually dominant this year and wound up losing and taking a five seed, he losing the very last week. They did decent, but honestly, I, I couldn't tell you. Didn't really make that many trades. And honestly, should have won some games that I thought I was going to win, but just unfortunately, performances weren't there. So team did all right, but... Hopefully, hopefully next year I'll be able to bounce back. You know, Mark. Yeah, are you trying to poke something, uh, JT? Uh, listen, my um, team could have done a lot better this year. I actually struggled more games to get out. Um, I had one, two, three, four, five games um, where I put under sixty-five points. Excuse me, sixty-seven points. Um, but yet I had games uh, four in total where I put over ninety. Um, my team was definitely struggling this year. It seems like I could not be anything consistent. Um, I didn't really do any major trades or anything. I did use a lot of free agency wire, which is something I typically am not into. Um, I'm usually not into streaming players, players either. Um, and that really killed me last week, especially when I streamed the Oakland Raiders defense and they choked to the jets, um, finished four and eight. Um, not really too happy about it, but you know what? We're going to try to win out here on the losers bracket here for the fantasy league that I'm in, and we're going to make it happen. Um, the Rams did an excellent showing last night with Goff and the Rams defense and the head coach for me there. So hopefully a, uh, that's good signs to come and we can win out on this a, uh, losers bracket at least. Jake, I'll throw it back over to you. Well, my fantasy teams, I had three, two in ESPN, one in Yahoo. All three made the, made the playoffs. Um, my money league that I'm in, I went 12 and one. And the unfortunate thing is that the only loss I had was against the team that didn't have an owner. So that was a little bit, that was the only really bad stain on the season. But um, in two of those leagues that I made the playoffs in uh, that league, I just mentioned it in my Yahoo league. I each got a, I clinched a first round by, so I can't be too, I, I, I really am proud of how my team did this year. Granted, I didn't, you know, I don't have the quirks like you guys do like punters and head coaches, even though I wish I did, but um, you know, just basic, uh, um, I'm trying to think, yeah, PPR leagues. Um, but I'm happy. I'm hoping that, you know, I can win, win big in at least two of them. One of them, I have some doubts for just cause I got the nine number three seed, but who knows, maybe we can win out in all three leagues. That'll only have time for tell, but all right, let's get to the players. Cause that's what all the fans want to hear. JT one sleeper, one bust for this week. All right. So my sleeper, I've actually been waiting to go for this one. And it's a guy we just brought up about like 10 minutes ago. Oh, five, 10 minutes ago. If you've been sticking around, honestly, my sleeper for this week is going to go ahead. It's going to be Nick Chubb. Honestly, it's a guy Nick Chubb hasn't really been talked about this week. And honestly, I think that he definitely, definitely pulls out something that's very, that, that in my opinion is special. Oh, simply because of the fact that this is a guy that hasn't really been paid attention to all season. And I think is a guy that really is going to be a future for this Browns team. And it has to be a big key coming down this last little bit. If you, And as you guys said, if the Browns want to win out, they got to start turning to someone like Nick Chubb. 
Um, and my my bust for this week is going to go ahead. He's going to be a guy that really has been a has been a diamond in the rough for the Raiders. Again, hasn't really been talked about, but I think that honestly he's been performing well for a lot of guys in fantasy. It's going to be Darren Waller of the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Honestly, I think I I think that Waller honestly he need is going to be relied more on blocking this week, and I think that honestly. For Derek Carr, it, it's going to be a case of that. That's who Waller's going to be having to rely on, and unfortunately, I, I don't see Waller doing too well against the Colts this week. And honestly, with the way the Colts' pass defense has been, honestly, it's been phenomenal this week. So I got to go ahead. I got to go with Darren Waller as my as my bust for this week. Two very solid picks, Mark. What about you? Sleeper this week, Allen Robinson, wide receiver, the Bears. Listen, I don't care how well Chicago does per game, whether they win, where they lose, who's quarterback, I don't care. The number one wide receiver for the Chicago Bears, if he is sitting on your free agency slots, you should be getting him. This is a guy who has more, excuse me, every single game that he's played in so far this year, other than when he played the Giants, he put up no fewer than 10.3 points. This is a person who is guaranteed going to get you points no matter who they're facing each week, no matter who the quarterback is, and no matter how badly the team loses. You need to pick up Allen Robinson if he's available on your free agency list. My bus is the overrated Baltimore Ravens. Listen, you think that the Ravens are going to win against the Browns? Okay, I'll give you hope there. But you still think you play the Jaguars? who the Jaguars gave Green Bay a run for the money. You're going to play the Giants, who just showed up against Seattle. And then you play the Bengals. Granted, that may be a win there. But you need, if you're the Baltimore Ravens, to win out. I don't see that happening. The Baltimore Ravens are my bust and will not make the playoffs. You know, I love takes like that, especially when it goes against the Ravens. Oh, my goodness, yes. Please just continue to shower me with that. Please. All right, my sleepers and busts for the week. I'm going to start off with my sleeper, and I think that Ryan Tannehill is going to be a big sleeper for this week. Um, Guys, he's coming off a three-touchdown performance against the Cleveland Browns, and with their big defense, um, it's definitely a big shift going from one of the top defenses in the league to an absolute travesty known as the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, If you ask me, I think they should rename their team to the Jacksonville Jagoffs, but at the same time, not everyone knows Pittsburghese. So uh, they'll just continue to go with that for a few more years. But I think Tannehill's been on a hot streak recently, recently, only two touchdowns in his last five or two interceptions in his last five games. Um, and in those five past five games, he's had, I believe, yes, three multi-touchdown games. Um, so if he's on your waiver wire this week, I highly suggest going out and get him. He's 71.6% rostered in ESPN PPR leagues. Uh, so um, if he's out there right now, I highly suggest, especially if you have a first round buy this week and you're trying to play for top points this week, I think Ryan Tannehill is your go-to man for my bust this week. This one was a little, di- a little hard, I'd say to pick, um, but I, I, I have to go with the Steelers defense guys. We mentioned it earlier today that they're lacking in the defensive backfield. Like they're missing three of their top linebackers. Um, their team is just, you know, they're, they're scratching. They're looking for answers, trying to find, uh, you know, find how they're, they're, they're root back to success after losing to a team without a name. Like, come on. They lost to the big W for God's sakes. They are just looking for it. And they're going up against Josh Allen. who has been a passing freak. Cole Beasley has been an offensive unit for them. He's 
definitely contributed. He's had a passing touchdown a few games ago, and now he's good at the receiver core. He's that good secondary option to Stephon Diggs. So I think the Steelers are going to have trouble, especially with how the, the secondary has been having trouble with staying with their man, staying with their men this season. Um, don't if you're if you have the Steelers defense, I would highly suggest staying away from them and looking at the waiver wire. Put them on your bench. Don't get rid of them. I don't think that, that, that it's that bad that you need to drop them, especially with the games coming up. Um, but again, but this week against Buffalo, they're just not a safe bet. So Ryan Tannehill and the Steelers defense are my picks. Uh, Tannehill for sleeper and Steelers defense with the bust. Now we're finally at the end of the show and we got our last segment called Hot Takes. And uh, this could be anything you want. So JT, let's start it off with you as we round out the show. Honestly, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go back to something we talked about ages ago, it feels like. I'm going back to what we were talking about. And, Jake, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to compliment a team that you comp- complimented and said that should be a number four team in the nation. In I'm going with Coastal Carolina, and this is going to be a bold prediction. I think Coastal Carolina goes ahead, and I think they get matched up against a team that, honestly, is going to be favorable. Is going to be a team that is is really – not looked about uh, and really could also be a threat. And as a team that honestly is, it <laughs> is down below. Oh, and that's uh, that in the pac 12, nor or less as I believe. And that's, that's going to go ahead. That's going to be the USC Trojans. I'm going to say that they go ahead. I think coastal Carolina gets matched up in a bowl against the USC Trojans. Who's no, no slouch in them. In by any means, they're also four and zero. But my thing is this: I think Coastal Carolina goes into whatever ball they get put up against USC, and I think they upset at USC. It's obvious that Coastal Carolina is going to be the team, is going to be the underdog. But I gotta say that Coastal Carolina takes down on a big team in uh, USC. Now, could it be USC? Absolutely. But could it be someone else? Most likely, they. In my opinion, I think. You know, I'll just say it like this. I think Coastal Carolina wins their bowl game against whoever they get matched up against. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's a, a team ranked nine through, let's go 17. I'm, I'm loving the Coastal Carolina love over in the fun belt. Mark, what's your hot take for the week? All right, so just a sub note, just for the record, uh, for all you college football fans, I'm calling you out right now. The Power Five conferences are overrated. There's a lot of things that need to be looked in there, just like we stated with the NFL earlier this year about how certain things happen due to financial aspects of it. That's why the Power Five conferences get pushed in college football. That needs to be reevaluated. Will that happen? Probably not. My hot take for you, gentlemen, is you're going to find really interesting. I am looking at the AFC North, and I am looking at the Cleveland Browns are going to be in the AFC championship game this year for the playoffs. I'm calling it now. These Browns are going to be dangerous when the playoffs roll around. If you're a team that's going to sleep on them, like Kansas City, who has slept on games before this year, the Browns could wreak absolute havoc this year in the playoffs. The Browns will at least make it to the AFC Championship game. Listen, I like that idea. I mean, we talk about the Steelers and their easy schedule. The Browns have had a little bit more of a challenge this year, so... It wouldn't shock me. <laughs> I'd love to see a Kansas City, Cleveland, uh, Kansas City, Cleveland AFC championship game. I think that would bring a lot of intrigue. My money's uh, on Cleveland for that one. 
Ooh, okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. I, I, hey, it's a hot take segment. You can say whatever you want, and no one's going to shit on you for it. So I appreciate it. I love it. I'm going to go back to college football. You mentioned that the Power Five conferences are overrated, and I completely agree with you. I think that everyone has equal opportunity each year. And they're, you know, obviously I voice my opinion about Big Ten being the favorite. This week, conference championship matchup Notre Dame Clemson for the ACC. Trevor Lawrence is finally going to return for them. Notre Dame going to be playing against the uh, Clemson Tigers after losing. Uh, the Clemson Tigers lost last time, but they were without Trevor Lawrence. Listen, you want to talk about overrated teams? I think Notre Dame is highly overrated. They don't play anyone each year. They went to the ACC. Like, if they wanted to challenge themselves, why not go to, say, the Big Ten, the SEC, or something like that? Granted, the ACC welcomed them with open arms, Q Journey song, but I I. I think they need to face more competition. I think this road to the college football playoff each year is too easy for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. This weekend, I say Clemson upsets them. They win back. They move up in the rankings. And I say with this loss, I think that that Notre Dame gets knocked out of the college football playoff ranking. And we're going to see one of the lower teams usurp the number four spot as Ohio State will most likely move up. It'll go Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. And yes, I said it before. I think Coastal Carolina, I I think that they have what it takes to move up to number four, and they've been moving up the rankings like, like, like no one's business. So, hey, anything could happen. Could you imagine that? Sunbelt team in the top four. I don't know when the last time that was, but guys, that'll do it for the show. I know it was a bit of a lengthy one, but we got really heated about a lot of things. We had a good discussion, so I appreciate you guys being here and taking the time to listen to our show. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter at IT3Show, and if you have a question for us, send it to IT3Show at gmail.com, and we will get those in to our show whenever we can, and by whenever we can, it goes off when you send us the question. So you can send us one this coming week, and we'll put it in next week's show. That's up to you. But at 4JT and Mark, I've been Jake, and you've just been inside the three.